0: Welcome. To who knew? Indeed.
1: How are you? How was your week?
0: Good. My week was fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm just thinking about work. Obviously, Ooh. I correlate my weeks with work.
1: Same. Like yeah. if it was a good work week, it was, It'll it was be a good, good rest of the week. And then, yeah. yeah. How yeah. sad is that? Pretty sad. Yep.
0: But you know, it's the way life is.
1: I kind of had a shit shitbag week.
0: Did you? Yeah, a little I'm bit. Sorry.
1: It's fine.
0: And oh, the, yeah, you did.
1: Just dumb. Oh, we got... Uh, new supervisors kind of suck. Like, when somebody goes from being, like, a normal, like, at the same level as you, and then they mm-hmm. become a supervisor, and mm-hmm. they don't quite know what they're doing.
0: And I feel like they have they to... They feel like
1: they got to prove something, yeah. and like... Yeah. You
0: really don't have to. Like, I as a common decency person, respect you. And I get that some people don't automatically give that respect, but like.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other than that, it was fine. Like work was, work was actually kind of crazy, but we haven't really had a crazy week in a while and it made it go fast. So that was cool.
0: Yeah. I I was convinced for the beginning part of the week that um, I started, we started new shifts at dispatch. And so um, I'm working with a girl I haven't worked with in, Like probably over a year, but she she's a good friend of ours. Mm -hmm. Um, her wife listens to this podcast. Hi, Melissa. Um, and so we started working together, and every night we've worked together. It's just been a shit show, and so I'm like, "Fuck, don't leave, please." (laughs) Like, I get it. Like, I, I enjoy being with you. I enjoy talking to you. I enjoy. Working with you, except for now, you don't even get to do that. Yeah,
1: because work's so crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I was just if yeah. Thankfully, we had like one calm night together. But man, if it continues being crazy, I'm just gonna ask her to stay, like switch shifts.
1: <laughs> when did we get that Walking Dead comic?
0: Um, it was Is that in. New? It's not new. I pulled them out of when I, we were cleaning the closet. They were in a random bag. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
1: All right. yeah anyways
0: congratulations we have walking dead uh, comics Nice. i think only like the first two cool in the series so
1: do you have anything uh podcast related that you want to address before we get a rolling
0: podcast related i don't think so i don't think i have any updates to anything i've talked about
1: yeah
0: fingers crossed
1: I don't. I think about them all the time, and then I never remember yeah, them here. So. Right.
0: Same. Well. All right. I um, guess I'll go first. Cool. Um, I'm talking this week about the Bennington Triangle.
1: We've been talking about talking about this. Yeah. For a while, like a year.
0: Yeah, because we both watched the same TikTok about it, <laughs> and we're like, "Oh my gosh, that's pretty cool." And I stole it from Jack. So, sorry. Not really.
1: I wasn't, like, that interested in it, or I would have done it.
0: Okay. Already. Well, I got even more interested in it because, obviously, a TikTok can't get through the whole history, and this is pretty fucking crazy. Dope. I got most of my information from allthatsinteresting.com and Legends of America, as well as the Vermonter and some other things sprinkled in that I think I give credit to. So, let's get started. Uh, The Bennington Triangle is definitely, it's got everything. Anything you can imagine, it's got it. Um, It's centered around the Glastonbury Mountain in Vermont. It has long been known for strange events, including UFO activity, Bigfoot sightings, strange lights and sounds, and the location where, very notably, five people disappeared between the 1940s and 1950s. Wow. Wow. Yeah. uh, The area is said to be cursed also, according to Native American lore. Why not? Why not?
1: Sprinkle a little curse in there.
0: Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, So the stretch of woodlands around the Glastonbury Mountain includes the towns of Bennington, Woodford, uh, and Shaftesbury, as well as the ghost towns of Somerset- I don't know why I said it like that, Somerset and Glastonbury, which I'll talk about a little bit later. The fa- the, <laughs> the phrase Bennington Triangle was coined by New England author Joseph A. Citro in 1992 when... I'm um, sorry, who said the area shares characteristics to the Bridgewater Triangle, which is close by in Massachusetts. He even writes a book about it in 1996 that it's published, and it's called Passing Strange, The True Tales of New England Hauntings and Horrors. Uh, from New War- England
1: has everything. Yeah. Like, name a ghost story. They've got it. And Lorraine Warren basically lived there. Yes. In the area, like honestly, all those states are so small that yeah, like you can p- fit twelve states in Texas. Colorado. Oh. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> Thinking go big, um, well, yeah, you they're can tiny. Also,
1: fit them in Texas, plus and, a couple yeah. more, probably. Right. Probably. But like Christ, they're so much, they're so much older than like yeah. Colorado, or anything we do here, and all like have you ever been to like new hampshire or i've never been to
0: the east coast
1: boston like massachusetts. minus florida so i went to massachusetts a few years ago i went to cape cod so much of it is like preserved and original and yeah. historical buildings like it's, it's cool. nuts yeah bananas
0: i can imagine um For more than two centuries, there have been numerous sightings of a a Bigfoot-like creature in the Glastonbury Mountain area, which became known as the Bennington Monster. So it's got its own cryptid.
1: Bennington Bigfoot.
0: Yeah, basically. Um, One of the first reported sightings of this creature occurred in the early 1800s when a stagecoach full of passengers was forced to stop on a washed-out road. Um, The stage driver first noticed very large footprints in the mud, That were too large to be human, obviously. I know. The coach was attacked then by a large creature who ended up somehow getting the vehicle on its side. Oh, no. Stage coaches, (laughs) like, I can't imagine are, like, as heavy as, like, cars now. But, like, they're not, like, one man can't, like, lift that up with, like, people inside of it, you know? Right?
1: I wouldn't think so.
0: At least not back then. There weren't, like, bodybuilders. power lifters.
1: I, I don't people lifting so. up
0: tree trunks at the back in those days i don't know maybe who knows um the passengers could only see a pair of eyes before the monster then roared and ran off into the forest he's like oh no he's i'm angsty. so sorry
1: yeah. whoops <laughs> bye
0: <laughs> thought you were dinner you're not you're people um so later sightings described the large creature no, i'm sorry describe this creature as large hairy and black that stood over six feet tall So very similar to Bigfoot, you know, or it's a gorilla. Who knows? An escaped gorilla from the zoo. One gorilla. Just singular. Um, (laughs) I know. Definitely not the climate for gorillas. Um, There have been stories of people also that have gone missing in the area. I told you of the five, but the Vermonter, that's a hard thing to say, Vermonter, reports that as many as 40 people have uh vanished in the bennington triangle Ooh. yeah so that's kind of a lot it makes me think of like the national forest thing about like oh thousands of people go missing every year in the national forest and nobody talks about it it's like
1: everybody on TikTok's talking about it so
0: yeah that's good enough um so one of I mean, them good
1: enough for gabby petito so <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah apparently um the one of the first was a man named carol Her- herrick and that happened in 1943 so before this really close span of five occurred carol w- went missing during a hunting trip about 10 miles northeast of the now ghost town at Glastonbury. um his body was discovered 3 days later surrounded by huge mysterious footprints Oof. um and he had been reportedly squeezed to death oh fuck <laughs> So that it was sucks. a gorilla. That really
1: sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, that really sucks. Uh, so beginning in 1945, let's talk about the five-year span of the really large stories of the missing people. The first to go missing and never be found was 74-year-old hunting guide, Mitty Rivers. Uh, and that happened on November 12th, 1945. Uh, Mitty, who obviously knew the area well, was leading a party of four hunters in the area of Hell Hollow.
1: Don't Amazing go there.
0: Name. Don't fucking go there. Like you're gonna go hunting in Hell Hollow. That just it's sounds like, you're like asking to yeah. die. It's like you're just. It's like, hey, do you guys want to die? Let's go.
1: We're gonna go to Hell Hollow. <laughs> um, in the Bennington Triangle.
0: Yeah, this Hell Hollow was uh, is southwest of the woods in the Glastonbury Mountain. So as he led the group back to their camp, he got ahead of them, but never returned. To camp? Ooh. Yeah. Initially, the other hunters weren't concerned, as their guide was obviously skilled and like knew the area. However, when he didn't resurface, an extensive search was conducted by 300 concerned locals and um, U.S. Army soldiers that were sent from Massachusetts Fort Devons. So other local people that were familiar with the area. Hmm. Uh, Though they combed through the wilderness for eight days, the only thing that was found was a rifle cartridge, which was the same type that Mitty had used. Hmm. Yeah. There was no evidence of an animal attack, and his body wasn't found. Even after an extensive search, many locals believed that the knowledgeable woodsman would have been able to survive uh, and would soon resurface the town. They're like, he's gotta be somewhere, anywhere. And he disappeared along the Long Trail Road area in Vermont, Route 9, which is somewhere in vermont Uh, a year later the arguably most infamous missing persons case in the history of vermont happened an 18 year old college student paula weldon went hiking on the long trail uh which is i don't know if you remember short-term memory or not that's where Mitty disappeared um and she went missing on december 1st 1946 uh, she was wearing a bright red jacket, which some people coined her as the uh, Red Riding Hood of Vermont. Because of that, uh, several people had watched her go, including a store employee in Bennington who had given her directions on how to get to where she wanted to go, and an elderly couple who were hiking behind her for about 100 yards.
1: Huh.
0: Yeah. Uh, there was no concern until the college sophomore failed to show up for her classes at Bennington College the next morning. Um, people were pretty concerned too because she was only wearing like that light jacket. And so they were like, the temperature got really cold that night. So she was not dressed for that at all. So she obviously did not plan on staying that long. So once she didn't go back to school, an extensive search was obviously conducted, including more than a thousand people, um, such as aircraft surveillance, FBI, police, everything. There was even a $5,000 reward Uh, set up for her the that elderly couple that had been following her a little bit said that she seemingly disappeared after turning around a corner on the trail so Mm. they just obviously were like oh that's just some stranger we're not going to follow her but it was kind of odd i guess um so like no clues were found nothing Mm -hmm. not even her body Mm -hmm. uh many including uh Paula's father criticized the authorities' lack of sophisticated methods in handling the case, which actually served as the catalyst for the founding of the Vermont State Police. Seven months later, yeah. um, the case is obviously still open to this day because she was never found. And historybyday.com dot com really goes into depth of this story. Like they talked about a lot of like things that had happened and like uh people that think that they saw her after she had gone missing like a waitress was like i talked to this really odd lady wearing a red jacket it was super weird um so i might talk about this more specifically in another episode because it was a lot of information but we'll see if anything you can just go to their website and see what's going on um exactly three years after paula weldon like to the day um James Tedford went missing also on December 1st, 1949. He was a veteran resident of the Bennington Soldiers' Home and had been in St. Albans visiting relatives and returned home on a bus when he vanished. According to witnesses, James was one of 14 passengers on the bus at the last stop before arriving to Bennington. However, when the bus arrived there, he disappeared on the bus. Um, if the witnesses are correct, James would have disappeared from his seat as the bus travel, traveled down Route 7 through the Bennington Triangle. Of course. Yeah, right. Though the disappearance was investigated, no one had seen anything, nor did anybody report any suspicious incidents. Um, it was also noted that his luggage was still on the bus, and they found his bus pass like on the seat that he was sitting in. Hmm. So... That's very, very odd. On October 12th, 1950, an eight-year-old boy named Paul Jepson went missing in the area. He was playing in the Bennington's cab. That doesn't make any sense. He was playing in the cab of a truck when his mother went to go tend to the pigs. So she drove the truck, left her son in the truck, thinking, I'm just going to like throw some grain down for the pigs and then get back to the truck. Right. It's not going to be a big deal. But when she returned, he had disappeared. And after looking for him in the immediate area, he was obviously reported as missing, which he couldn't find him, and hundreds of people assembled the search party. The authorities used bloodhounds to assist the search for the boy, which they ended up picking up his scent and followed it towards the Glastonbury Mountain, but it was lost, uh, the scent was lost at a nearby crossroads, which some believe that it suggests that he was possibly abducted. By a motorist Uh, the boy's father said that Paul had been talking about visiting the mountains for a while as though there was a lure to the mountains which is very odd Uh, so the area was searched thoroughly for several days but there's no clues or remains of the boy Um, Just 16 days after that, a Frida Langer went missing on October 28, 1950. She and several other family members were camping in the woods near the Glastonbury Mountain. The 53-year-old woman, along with her cousin, Herbert Elsner, left their family campsite near Somerset Reservoir to go on a hike. It's important to note that, like Mitty, Frida was an experienced hiker and uh, familiar with the area. However... When they were just a few hundred yards from the campsite, um, Frida slipped on and fell into a stream, which soaked her like pants and shoes. Um, So she asked her cousin to wait as she went back to camp to change her clothes and then continue their hike. But she didn't return. Hmm. Even after um, her cousin waited for a while, he went back to camp to see if everything was right. And it wasn't. Frida didn't even return to the camp. So, instead, it seemed that she disappeared in broad daylight in that short distance. Weird. Super weird. In the next few weeks, several search parties, including some 400 people, police, volunteers, firefighters, the Connecticut Coast Guard, and the U.S. Army in Massachusetts, probably the same Fort, Danver, whatever I said earlier, um, the local aircraft from the Vermont Aeronautics Commission, all searched for her and turned up nothing. The search was finally called off. Then, seven months later, May 12th, 1951, her body was found near the Somerset Reservoir in an area that had been previously and extensively searched numerous times since she disappeared. Um, Due to the decomposition, the body was just basically destroyed and there was no cause of death that could be determined. And it obviously is unsolved because of that. But Frida was the last person to disappear and the only one whose body was found, minus the first man that I talked about, Carol, who was squeezed to death. Um, though no direct connections can be found that tie these cases together other than the ge- geographical area time period. Because um, it was about like three or four o'clock in the afternoon when all these people disappeared. Um. So some people thought it was a work of a serial killer, mm. especially with the span of five years. Sure. Um, Though there's very little evidence to support that. Somebody was like abducting and killing, like couldn't find any, just anything to support that there were other people in the area, I guess. Mm. Plus, there was a variety of victims, such as age, gender, races, everything like that, which typically rules out serial killers because they usually have like patterns or MOs. Um, others still contended that the disappeared met their demise at the claws of uh, kittens, like lynx and bobcats, <laughs> or catamount. So,
1: like, large <laughs> so, like, cats.
0: Big kittens. <laughs> However, the bobcat and lynx of the area are not known to be aggressive to humans, and the catamounts has been um, not credibly cited since before 1940, and it has been thus declared as extinct, but we all know that there's... Maybe something lingering out there, like the Bennington monster, whatever it's called. Um, Those occurrences included... I don't know why I said that. Um, So other things that happen in the Bennington Triangle are voices that are allegedly... They just, like, show up randomly on dead air radio. They are also sightings of mysterious figures, unexplained navigation mishaps, such as, like, planes, like, not gonna... Like, their compasses and, like... Shit's getting all wacky, and then planes that just like mysteriously crash for no reason. Um, All of that has led many to speculate the possible paranormal causes, such as uh, UFO abductions, because, you know, why else would people disappear in broad daylight? Um, Or, quote, cross-dimensional wormholes, end quote, or attack by, like I said, the Bennington Monster. Um, It's really odd, too, because the trail's on the mountain stop like partially up the mountain suggesting that like nobody goes up there like after a certain point Mm -hmm. like just no human inhabitants go up there so when you're up there people say that you don't hear anything like you don't hear anything alive Mm -hmm. up there like it's just creepy like the animals don't even dare to venture past where these paths go which is very interesting so maybe more ufo shit i don't know others blame native american curse or the paranormal stating the place as a window to the unexplained the native americans area of the area had long been weary of the area and avoided it because of that the Re- revelator network reports the region surrounding Glastonbury mountain was home to the abenaki tribe which was part of the Alconquin Nation. The Abenaki believed their god, Tibaldac, uh lived at the peak of the Glastonbury Mountain. The Abenaki also believed that the mountain was cursed because of the four winds, which appeared to meet at the peak and change directions erratically. So we'll talk about that a little bit um, The Abenaki also told stories of a large, hairy, half-man, half-animal creature who lived throughout the region and threatened its inhabitants, possibly the monster that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Although they generally avoid the mountain, the Abenaki buried their dead at the base of the mountain, which later suggests that the region is haunted by their spirits. So we've got ghosts, too. Um, the Alconquin legend warned of a malevolent stone in the mountains that would open up and devour anyone unlucky enough to step on it. Uh, but the Mountain Mysteries podcast reports that the mountains in the Bennington Triangle are also known for having numerous sinkholes. In addition to explaining the Abenaki legends about people being swallowed by a rock, sinkholes could explain some of the disappearances that could have occurred on the mountain. So, Yeah. Maybe that might be debunked, but either way, don't step on rocks, apparently. Some say that the area is unstable due to wind patterns that have, that are usually chaotic and confusing, like what we had talked about with uh, Abenaki with the four winds, But it makes me think about the of Pass episode for one of the theories. So with the chaotic winds, people easily get confused and lost. According to Grunge.com, some visitors to the region have also reported experiencing unusual confusion or dizziness probably because of the winds. And in an interview with the Bennington Banner, Robert Stingley said that he he was lost in the Bennington Triangle when, quote, everything crescendoed into this wind sort of dizzying confusion. It just suddenly got dark, and then I was like, where am I, what's going on, end quote. Robert said that he sought shelter under a large maple tree, which was, quote, expelling a weird haunting energy, end quote. He eventually made his way out of the woods the following morning. However, others weren't as fortunate. So this might be another reason why people get lost there. In 2014, the now unincorporated town of Glastonbury, Vermont, had a total of eight residents. However, as reported by Happy Vermont, the town thrived to the mid to late 1800s. So pretty old town. In addition for being a hub for local charcoal production and logging industries, it had a railroad, a post office, a school. Um, several residential homes, your typical town. And by 1880, the town recorded its peak population with... Do you want to guess how many residents?
1: 5,000.
0: Oh, my God, no. 241 oh. residents. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the Happy Vermont reports that there were two murders that occurred there, which were um in 1892 and 1897, which marked the beginning of Glastonbury's decline and secured the region's reputation of being haunted by unusual activity. Um, in 1892, Henry McDowell was, blund- I'm sorry, Henry McDowell bludgeoned his co-worker John Crowley to death. He later claimed, quote, he heard voices telling him to do it, end quote. Um, mm-hmm. Following his arrest, uh, Heather Sutphin reports he was sent to a mental health facility, which he escaped and was never seen again. Mm. So that's a good, maybe, <gasps> maybe he's Michael the one that's in the mountains killing the people. Yeah. because. The- Mountain what, Michael. Myers. The voices told him to do it. Right. Yeah. Solved. I, I should stop reading. <laughs> Figured it out, guys. Um but then in eighteen ninety seven, John Harbour was shot to death by an unknown person despite being in possession of a loaded gun. Mm-hmm. His murder was never solved. Mm. So Uh, Then in 1898, Glastonbury was essentially gutted by a massive flood, which heavily damaged the town's largest resort and completely destroyed the railroad tracks. In 18... Nope. In 1937, the town was disincorporated due to substantial loss of industry, resulting in a population decline. As reported by Happy Vermont, the former town of Glastonbury and the Serrano region are currently owned by the U.S. National Forest Service. The 27 thousand acres surrounding Glastonbury mountain included two ghost towns and more than 36 square miles of inhabited land um it was after Glastonbury became a remote place in the wilderness that all of the eerie and unexplainable unexplainable events started to happen dang that's it wow yep what a story yeah
1: don't go there fuck no we're not going there
0: yeah no though that place like makes me think of uh oh what is it that town what was that it was like a three-part movie series that we watched on netflix and it was like this town was cursed
1: oh fear street
0: yes like one of the towns is cursed because of whatever happened in the past so that makes me think of like that whole area is cursed because of whatever happened in that ghost town of glastonbury but wow yeah
1: what a good story good job
0: thank you that was good good i'm glad you liked it yeah cool
1: are you ready to hear the story of the unsinkable Violet Molly. Jessup? Oh. No, okay, no, not yes. Molly Brown. <laughs> Molly Brown. She survived one one ocean liner sinking. Violet uh, survived three.
0: <laughs> what?
1: So <laughs> <laughs> good
0: for her. Honestly, if I back in the day, I'm sure when she was alive, I if I had saw her name on the roster being on the ship after like the first one, no, second one, I probably wouldn't like. Nope.
1: I'm uh, going to hang out with her.
0: Probably. just, Or I'm just not going to get on the ship because she has a bad record.
1: <laughs> Either she makes the ship sink or she I has, should hang out with her because the ship's going to sink regardless. Yeah. And she's going to have really good
0: luck. So Right. right.
1: <laughs> um, so Violet Jessup was born in 1887 in Argentina to okay. Irish immigrant parents. That's
0: a very interesting connection.
1: Yes. Um, she. So six of her eight siblings died. In oh early God. childhood. What? And Violet suffered from tuberculosis with the doctors basically saying that she was like she was also going to die. She only had months to live, supposedly. Um but Ugh. she lived. Beat the odds and good lived. For her. Yep. Um so that was her first bout of good luck. And <laughs> <laughs> she was supposed
0: to die seven times.
1: Right. Um her dad died when she was fifteen and she Um, was super grief-stricken by this Mm -hmm. and her two younger sisters and her mom and her ended up moving to England afterwards Mm -hmm. and her mom was a stewardess on like ocean liners and when she would go off on these like now we would call them cruises but like trips I don't know what they would call them yeah Mm -hmm. um she would leave Violet uh while she was still like a a kid in school to care for her siblings so uh that happened that's why they died oh it was uh they died before that oh never (laughs) mind it was the remaining ones uh and her were left to care for each other while mom went off and was a stewardess um turns out violet was like i'm gonna go do this too um she ends up uh her mom got sick when violet was 21 and wasn't able to work anymore so violet decides like well this worked for mom so i'm gonna go become a stewardess on ocean liners too mm-hmm. um at the time most stewardesses were middle-aged and in her first few interviews because she was so much younger than the average uh employers were worried that because she was so young and because she was a pretty uh, she would distract the crew and the passengers. Oh,
0: my God. So.
1: um, So
0: we need ugly old ladies. Right.
1: So she wasn't the first few. They said no because they were worried about that. So then she goes to uh, some more interviews for the same job and she dressed down and didn't wear makeup to make herself look less attractive. Mm. That ended up working. She got the job. Fucking seriously. And started as a stewardess in 1908.
0: Imagine today being told that you're too pretty for a job.
1: That's weird.
0: Yeah.
1: Also sexist.
0: Yes, extremely sexist. Like nowadays, if I didn't wear makeup to an interview, they would not hire me Mm because they're like, you're obviously not trying to put forth effort. Yeah. But whatever.
1: I don't know, man um being a stewardess at that time was a pretty tough job they worked about 17 hours a day and made terrible pay yeah Uh, in 1910 she started working on the rms olympic which was owned by the white star line company Mm -hmm. which you might uh be familiar with sometimes it was a luxury ship and at the time it was the largest civilian liner in the world Uh, This was a record that it held until the Titanic was built, Mm -hmm. its sister ship. Two years later, September 20th of 1911, the Olympic, uh, it was on its fifth journey at the time, was involved in a pretty bad accident. Um, It was trying to pass through like a strait, and it was pretty narrow and it ended up hitting a British warship called the HMS Hawk. Uh, The Olympic turned to starboard, which I think is right. If I remember, I'm not super sure about that. You don't
0: like, crew like command ships on your. uh, I don't.
1: Did you not know that?
0: I did not know that. Uh... I was under the impression that every time you left, you were just commanding ships.
1: I did have a uh, like a small boating license when I was like twelve. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's I what I'm trying a to remember. Yeah, it was to do um, like jet skis and stuff. You could get <laughs> one before you had your like normal license. So I yeah, I was really young when Freaking I went. Dumb. I had to go all the way to Grand Ocean to get that. We drove an hour. I had to go take this class and this test, and then I got a like a license so that when we went to Lake Powell, I could. Uh,
0: drive the
1: drive boat the, no i couldn't drive the normal boat but i could drive like jet skis and water skis and stuff, oh i see water, uh wave runners
0: oh there i would go. never have thought of that yeah. name
1: <laughs> um but yeah i did that so i'm trying to remember the difference between starboard and the other one so i'm um, it's been decades anyways you mean you're um, not 12 anymore no no i'm like 20 years not quite 15 years years older than that 15 years older than that so the olympic turned starboard starboard and the it had such like a wide radius that the turn like was not expected by the commander of the hawk which Uh was the military ship yeah Uh uh-huh and he wasn't able to like avoid it ship Right, so both ships were damaged in the collision, but thankfully, no, like nobody died. Um, but that did have a pretty substantial financial impact on the White Star Line, and they were found liable for the incident, oh, and yeah. not only had to pay for their repairs, but um, legal so the... costs.
0: Oh shit! Because it was a military as vessel. Well.
1: Yeah. So uh she was involved with that obviously but nobody died it wasn't that big of a deal yeah um while the olympic was getting repaired um Jessup was assigned to another ship the titanic obviously we know what happened with that so right. she was pretty reluctant at first to work on the titanic but some of her friends told her that the it would be really cool for her to be working on like the very first journey that it was on right um she Wore a brand new uniform, which I don't know why some of my a lot of my sources decided to talk about this. But she was in an ankle length brown suit, joined, and joined the brand new ship at her birth in Southampton. I don't. I'm gonna take most of that out. I think, um, (laughs) because that's weird. Why? Why? Like, why do we add that?
0: Because it's important to know what she was wearing. Because she's a woman, and we care about what they wear. If that (sighs) was a man. For that interview, they would not have been explaining what he was wearing.
1: <laughs> he was wearing a suit. He was wearing... It was a brown suit, a suit. that went all the way down to his ankles. <laughs> it's 2010, and he's wearing a suit. <laughs> Jeez. Um, again, like I said, the fate of the Titanic is pretty well known. On April 14th of 1912, it was on its way from England to the U.S., and it struck an iceberg, sank to the sea, and of the 2,224 people on board... Over 1,500 died.
0: If you want to know more information, we cover the Titanic in one of our episodes. Did we? Yeah, I talked about it.
1: Oh. I forgot. I'm so sorry. No, it's that's okay. It's been like a year since it we talked about that. It has been a
0: long time. Yeah.
1: Um. So initially violet was sleeping as most people were when the titanic hit the iceberg like three in the fucking morning right uh but she recalls the incident as such quote uh i was ordered up on deck calmly passengers strolled about i stood at the bulkhead with the other stewardesses watching women cling to their husbands before being put on the boats with their children uh sometime after a ship's officer ordered us onto the boat first to show some women that it was safe -hmm. Uh, To go on there, and as the boat was being lowered, the officer called here, Miss Jessup, look after this baby. And a baby was given to her at that time. Eight hours later.
0: Just a random baby?
1: Just a random baby.
0: That's so sad. Wait, I'd have to know. Do we find a conclusion to this baby? Yes. Okay, we do. continue. Um,
1: Eight hours later, she, uh, along with a lot of other, uh, everybody else, uh, was rescued by the Carpathia. Mm-hmm. And she was still holding on to the baby that had been thrown in her lap at that time, obviously. A lady came past, took the baby, walked off. That's not the end.
0: Okay, I was like, okay, <laughs> I would have thought it a little bit, like, right. what the fuck do you think you're doing taking Je- this baby?
1: Jessup never got to speak to the woman who she assumed was the mom of the baby <laughs> and was surprised to not even get a thank you from her. Yeah, right? Ironically, one of the ships that came to the aid of the Titanic was none other than the Olympic. Oh, However, that's funny. However, when it offered to take on rescued passengers, the offer was declined as a Asking, quote, the survivors to board a virtual mirror image of the Titanic would cause them distress. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, plus, it just, like, was in its own.
0: They're like, no, 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 no. Wreck. We heard those stories.
1: Right. Titanic was lost to sea. Its remains only being discovered in 1985. Um, Shipwreck number three, the HMHS Britannic.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. isn't that, like, part of the trio? Mm-hmm. The Titanic, the Britannic, and the Olympic? Yeah.
1: All three of oh them Oh, my God. <laughs> Many people would have avoided um, <laughs> getting on another ship like this after two near-death experiences, but she did not.
0: <laughs> this is so fucking funny. It's all the same fucking... They were, like, the three, like, biggest ships in the White Star Line. They were, like, their bread and butter. They yeah. were, like, big deals. Yes. And yeah. they all fucking yeah. suck, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny.
1: So during World War One. She was employed as a Red Cross stewardess on the HMHS Britannic. Ship was also owned by White Star Line and is part of the same fleet as the Olympic and the Titanic. The Britannic was deemed to be safer than both of those ships with design improvements made after the Titanic sunk. The vessel was used as a hospital ship during the war to transport injured soldiers uh, back home to the UK okay on november 21st of 1916 they were in the aegean sea and okay. the britannic hit a german mine okay. and began to sink oh my god jessup's recollection of the event is uh another very close brush with death she says quote, uh, i leapt into the water but was sucked under the ship's keel oh which struck my head I escaped, but years later, when I went to my doctor because of a lot of headaches, I discovered I had once sustained a fracture of the skull. So she broke her noggin and and didn't even know it until years later when she's like, "Man, my head always hurts."
0: You'd think, like, wow, I like hit a ship with my head. You'd think you'd want to go to the doctor after that and be like, "Hey, do you think this is okay, man?"
1: Yeah. She ends up being pulled out of the water, put on a lifeboat, and for the third time in five years, literally in a span of five years, uh, she survived another shipwreck. What the fuck? Unfortunately, 30 of the ship's passengers uh, in this case didn't survive. Um, Jessup's experience with surviving shipwrecks did teach her one thing on the occasion, and I thought this was a fun fact to add in there. Um, During the panic on the Titanic... She forgot her <laughs> toothbrush and this oh time before she got in the water she said fuck that and she remembered to go get her toothbrush and at least she would have clean teeth this time. Okay. But then she hit her head so who knows if that even mattered. Right. The Britannic was the largest ship lost in the First World War and it remain its remains were located by the famous naval explorer Jacques Cousteau in 1975. Interesting. This Even though it was the third shipwreck she had been on, didn't matter, and she continued to work on large ships until she retired at the age of 63.
0: She said, just not that fucking White Star Line. Yeah.
1: Um, After the war, she continued to work for the White Star Line before joining the Red Star Line and then the Royal Mail Line again. Okay. Uh, During her time with the Red Star, she went on two cruises around the world on the company's largest ship, Ben England. Ben England. Okay. Ben England, Ben England,
0: Ben England, Ben England. Ben- Be-
1: nope, that's all wrong. Bel Belgian land.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How did you get Ben England out of Belgian land?
1: <laughs> right, read it. It's right there. It's hard to read. Oh, I see. Do you? Are you being nice to me? No. Let's try this again. On the company's largest ship, Bel Belgian land, Belgian land. I don't know which one it is.
0: Tomato, potato.
1: Tomato, potato. In her late 30s, uh, Violet had a brief marriage. And in 1950, she retired to Great Ashfield, Suffolk, which is part of England. Uh, After her retirement, several years after her her retirement, she claimed to have received a telephone call on a very stormy night from a woman who asked her if she was the one who had saved the baby that night on the Titanic. What are the chances? She said, yeah. The voice then said, "I was that baby.
0: Aww. laughed
1: and then hung up <laughs> her f- friend and a biographer named John Maxton Graham said it was probably a prank um, but she says, you, no, I literally never told a soul about that. um
0: yeah, so like who would have like known to find yeah, her though
1: uh-huh." Uh, records indicate that the only baby that was on lifeboat 16, which is with her, was, uh, named Asad Thomas, who was handed to Edwina Trout and later reunited with his mom on the Carpathia, which is cool.
0: hmm
1: So, who knows if that was a joke or not, but, uh...
0: It's not very funny.
1: It's in her biography. Oh, so, good. Yeah. After an eventful life, Violet Jessup died at the age of 84. She's often referred to as Miss Unsinkable, and she might be the only person in history to survive three such significant shipwrecks. And that's Unsinkable Violet Jessa.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Who would have thought? What
1: bad or good luck? Is it bad luck because she got on three ships that sank, or is it good luck that she survived all three? Or both?
0: I think it's... Oh. Both. I don't know, it's hard to say, because it would have been bad luck if she died, but, like, she f- couldn't have died in all three of them, right. so... Right. I, don't I feel know. like it's
1: bad luck that, like, three very traumatic events happened, but...
0: Yeah. I don't know. No, I think it's good luck, just not for everybody else that she was on the ship with. Right. So, like, like I said, bad luck for those who are with her, mm-hmm. like, on the ship, like, the 2,000 people that died in the Titanic, but right. good luck if your name is...
1: Violet Jessup. Yep.
0: <laughs> I almost said Molly Brown. Not right. Not the right part of history.
1: Well, she survived too. so. That's true, but she was
0: smart and she was like, I'm not going on any other ships. Maybe she did. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I think she ended up just in Denver and that was it. Smart. Yeah.
0: Literally. Apparently
1: her house is super haunted.
0: Yeah. I want to go there.
1: I don't even know where it's at in Denver.
0: Somewhere in Denver. Yeah. I'm sure we can Google it.
1: Probably. Um, do you have anything else?
0: I do not.
1: Okay. Uh well you can find us on Instagram at Who Knew Podcast. You can email us at Who Knew Podcast six 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 at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Patreon by just searching our name. Yep. And that's all I got. There's nobody in here except Bear.
0: Bear's always with us.
1: Bear's very sleepy. I was
0: cleaning my makeup brushes earlier and she would lay on the mat in the bathroom with me.
1: She loves you. She
0: does she loves you, you were in the gym, so She wanted somebody's attention. Sammy
1: cannot, like, believe that my dog likes her. But my dog really fucking likes her. (laughs) (laughs) She's laying under you right now. She has the choice between the two of us.
0: It's obviously you. She's under you. (laughs) It's a power move. What? (laughs) Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.